Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Joe Castellano from thesportsvirus.com. Welcome to the Inside China Basin San Francisco Giants baseball podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, featuring players like all-star catcher Buster Posey. It's about, you know, just going out and, and trying to have passion for the game that I've loved since I was a kid. Inside China Basin is brought to you by Sun First Solar, known for delivering solar excellence since 1984 and recently voted best solar company in Marin County. We're also brought to you by TPC Harding Park, the only public golf course in San Francisco offering golfers the opportunity to play where the pros play. Today's guest is Amy Gutierrez, Amy G from NBC Sports Bay Area. But before we talk to Amy, I want to tell you about my favorite golf course, TPC Harding Park in San Francisco. TPC Harding Park is now open and accepting tee times at tpc.com slash Harding Park. And TPC Harding Park is also pleased to announce the 2020 PGA Championship has been rescheduled for August the 3rd through the 9th. For additional information, visit tpc.com slash Harding Park or feel free to contact 102PGA at pgahq.com. Amy Gutierrez has won multiple Emmy Awards while covering the Giants for NBC Sports Bay Area. On Sunday, I had a chance to catch up with Amy G. Here was that conversation. Well, Amy, 13 seasons now covering the Giants. We're, you're about to embark on the 13th, and hopefully we, we get it underway. Uh, first of all, how have you been doing during the COVID situation? And I can imagine your excitement about baseball getting underway. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Joe. It's nice to be in a position to talk about baseball again, that's for sure. I uh, To answer the first part of your question, health-wise, you know, I'm fine, I'm good, my family's healthy, and that's definitely been the priority through all of this. It, um, it's, I'm kind of in the no-man's land a little bit on baseball coming back because I do have concerns, but I also love my job and I need to work. So you have um, things pulling you from different directions. So my hope is just that with the announcement of baseball coming back, the way that MLB is, is handling this seems to be, you know, as safe as you could possibly imagine with the amount of tests going on and how many temperature checks these guys are going to have every day. And uh, so I just feel safety-wise, health-wise, they're going about it the best way they can. And I'm crossing my fingers that the season gets off the ground and, uh, you know, we're able to see a little bit of baseball. It's been very difficult. I think any sports fan listening, anybody working in sports, has felt the impact of not having sports to watch, not having sports to cover, and you feel the impact in multiple ways, whether it's emotionally or financially. So it was nice to just feel like we might be going towards a little bit more of the normal that we know, although we're all doing it, you know, with caution and and hesitantly. Well, on the one hand, Amy, 31 players tested positive, and that's a very low percentage, so that makes you feel good. But on the other hand, you hear some names, and uh, they don't have to reveal the names, but when you hear Freddie Freeman or former giant Will Smith or DJ LeMahieu, players like that, and you hear about other players that have opted out, like David Price or Ryan Zimmerman, 
I think you do have some concerns. What do you feel about the concerns, uh, you know, going into this? Well, I think, you know, we interviewed Buster Posey yesterday through Zoom, and I think he put it perfectly that you're not going to find a player or anybody who works in baseball that wouldn't have some reservations as to, could I get it? Do I have it? You know, because you don't know unless you've been tested. So I think it's really, really normal to feel that hesitancy and to be a little bit torn and yet still want to be able to do your job, still want to be able to watch games. You know, it's, it's just what we know and it's what we love and to have all of that taken away from us at once. You know, it's not just baseball. It's not a strike. It's across the board. Every sport is gone. And it's a huge outlet for people in so many different ways. I keep thinking back to 9-11, how baseball took off for a week. And when baseball returned, it brought this not only sense of normalcy, but it was therapeutic. It was three hours each day that we could watch something else and not have to not, not necessarily deal with the reality of the situation, but, you know, just take a break from it. And that sports has always provided that. So I am nervous um, about getting it. Um, it's uh, a little alarming when you see some of the players who are testing positive and who have opted out, but I also completely understand it. And, you know, when you see somebody you know that has it, it's going to, I think it's, good overall to bring clarity into the situation that this is real. It's not going away to wear your mask. Like, and for a lot of people, it doesn't hit you until it hits somebody, you know, and if that's what it takes for people to take it seriously, then, then that's where we're at. And so put your mask on and wash your hands and let's do the best we can to social, you know, socially distance ourselves from each other so that we can get this season off the ground. Yeah, I think it's when it's somebody you know or if it's a bigger name. Like, I think back to the beginning when Rudy Gobert, the NBA player, or Tom Hanks, when you heard those names. So when I'm hearing Buster Posey say that he could opt out or I'm hearing Mike Trout saying that he has major concerns with a baby on the way, I'm really concerned if if players like that opt out, let's say, you know, they're not getting it, but they just want to opt out, how that will affect everybody. Right. I think – well, I think, you know, when players with that much name recognition make that clear and kind of step out and say something against the norm, then it makes other players who are having the same concerns feel a little bit better. So, you you know, you might see some players then say, well, if Buster's going to opt out, which he's not at this point, he said he wants to watch this over the next few weeks, but he was real transparent about, you know, I'm... I'm not 100% feeling like I'm not going to get it or it's fine, everything's fine. It's not. You're out there wearing a mask. You know, they have to do drills uh, in different places. They they have to walk through the field to get to their uh, clubhouse. Like, there's all kinds of different things in place. But I also think some of these things going forward, as we hope to get to a vaccine as soon as possible, are good things to put in place. You know, I think it's, it's a good thing to continue to push hygiene and to have your distance when you have a cold or the flu. I mean, I'm the mother of two, so you're talking to somebody who's been <laughs> hit by the 26-foot the sneeze often, you know, <laughs> where you're like, please cover your mouth, put please sneeze into your elbow. And this is just from the mom's side. So 
it's funny, a lot of my friends are teachers and, you know, they're kind of like, now the whole world is following the rules we've had to follow our whole career, teaching kindergarten, teaching first grade, like the basics of let's respect each other's space, especially when we're sick. We need to get those teachers in there to, you know, teach the baseball players right. a lesson about yeah. this stuff, right? <laughs> they are, they do not mess around. <laughs> They've always had hand sanitizer. They're always, you know, I mean, they, they had all of the supplies before any of us did. <laughs> well, I think Jeff Samarja is one of the most candid players on the San Francisco Giants, you know, and he came out and he said yeah. that they don't want to do anything stupid and they got to, you know, they're getting paid well to do their job. So, you know, he talked a little bit about, the sacrifice and avoiding the bars and all that kind of stuff. Do you think yeah. that it's it's good to have a Giants leader like that coming out right away and saying it? Because that that's another concern is just how many of the players are going to slip, uh, and you know, especially away from the field, slip, right. and then uh, that's making everybody uh, in danger. A hundred percent. You need your leaders. You need your veterans. You need a Jeff Samarja. You need Buster Posey. And I know Buster addressed the team, um, you know, with a day that. Uh, that they reported. So I think Gabe Kapler is really smart to lean on his veterans in this, that he realizes that he's fairly new to this organization. And so he's going to need to get some other guys that the guys really know and, and have known for a long time. And that respect is already there as Gabe Kapler continues to work those relationships and, and build his respect. But, you know, you think about the slip ups and right now what we're watching is the youth the youth going out to the bars, the youth going out and, you know, to let off some steam and party a little bit and that's who's contracting it. So you do really need to have that veteran leadership to the younger guys with a 60 player pool now, right? We're not dealing with 26 guys. We're dealing with 60 guys and um, probably more that are, you know, hanging around just in case they need to be there. But um, you've got a, a big group of people that need to be extremely careful and cautious and that's all you can really ask in general of anyone at this point, right? Yeah. Is just do your part because when you do your part, it protects me and I'm going to do my part to protect you. And and then again, I, I'm big on saying I'm crossing all my fingers and all my toes because <laughs> a lot of fan reaction that I get when I'm putting up posts like, hey, baseball's back, where's first day of reporting, there's Buster, is, is it worth it? is this worth it? If one person got it and died from it, was it worth it to play the baseball season? And that's an extremely hard question to answer because of course not, you know, and then, but you deal with this need to get back to normalcy and people have to do their jobs and, and support their families. So it's really, it's a really difficult um, question to pose and to try and answer. We'll have more with Amy G right after this. Jones goes back, back near the wall, shading the sun, and he dropped it. He lost the ball in the sun. Let's put the sun to good use at home with a Sun Power residential solar system. Your Sun Power elite dealer, Sun First Solar, has a wide range of financing options, and they provide the finest customer service from start to finish, regardless of size or scope. Sun First Solar offers the highest efficiency systems, newest technology, and the best warranty in the world. Sun First Solar offers the most competitive price while not compromising on quality. This summer, let the sun heat your pool and eliminate your energy bill. Don't drop the ball. Call Sun First Solar at 
5870. That's 415-458-5870. And get your Sun Power solar system today. Let's talk about how you will cover games. I'm not sure that, you know, that's even been uh, finalized yet, but with no fans in the stands, social distancing, uh, you know, not being able to report out there amongst the fans, which is what you do all the time. What's going through your mind as far as how you will conduct business uh, during games? Well, we don't. It's it's interesting that you asked that because I we're, we are trying to figure that out right now. And I think a lot of people are wondering what my role will be, including <laughs> myself, <laughs> except I, I know that I'll have one. What I've been told at this point is the 30 games expected to be played at Oracle Park, I will have a role in. So right now, what that role will be is being determined. The word we're using is reimagining my role, right? Because so much of what I do is a background of fans or I talk to fans and I'm reporting amongst fans. Mm-hmm. So that is, that's gone right now because there won't even be fans. So as of today, when we're recording this, um, I will likely be reporting from the studio. Um, I could be reporting from home, but I think we're thinking the studio. I will not be at the park as of right now. Um, and that's an NBC policy that um, for the safety of their employees, they're trying to limit the number of NBC employees that are at the actual park. Mm-hmm. I think my role is still going to very much be my connection to the players and bringing that connection to the fan base. I think there's going to be a ton of Zoom involved. And I think we're really going to try and engage the fan base at a higher level than we have in the past. You know, I always try and have something like an Ask Amy G or something where... I get questions from fans. I get feedback from fans that I can incorporate into the broadcast. That's not going to change. And I think it's going to increase so that because we can't hear the fans, I can't stop by and interview somebody that's there. So, uh, but you know, we can do a lot of different things because of zoom. Like we can bring alumni interviews in, we can bring special fans in um, via zoom. And I I think that's going to be the big medium that we use um, and and what, where I'm going to be used mostly. But I, I think my role will remain the same as a kind of a liaison between the players and the, and the fans. You think about how important these telecasts are because fans can't go to the game. They've been chomping at the bit to watch any sports. I mean, the only thing really that's on right now is golf and maybe cornhole or something like that. So, you know, everybody's going to be watching (laughs) baseball and everybody's going to be watching the giants. So I would think that sort of gives everybody on your crew you know, Dwayne and Mike and everybody, production-wise, a little bit of a lift, right? I think, yes, I think for sure we feel these are going to be really important broadcasts. I think there's a lot of questions about the broadcast and how we're going to do it, especially with road games, Um, you know, because Mike and Dwayne won't travel. So technology all of a sudden has become our best friend. And, you know, that's where we're really going to – all of us are going to have to learn some new tricks here. And (laughs) – no, a couple of us are old dogs, so it's going to be interesting. So I hope the fan base is just patient with us while we work through our kinks and, you know, our tosses from the uh, broadcaster's booth to the studio. You know, they're not going to be as smooth as if I'm right there at the park. So there's going to be some things that we're going to need to work out and figure out. But but we're, we're, we're pretty quick on the uptake, and um, I think the fans will let us know quickly what they like and, and what they want to keep seeing. And, and we're, we're going to go with it. You know, right now it's kind of an, it's kind of exciting because 
it's different and it's evolving. And I think a lot of stuff that evolves through this pandemic will stay with us broadcast-wise going forward. I really do. I, I think it makes you reimagine. It makes you evolve. And I think we'll see some things that we do now that stay with us in the future. All right. So you, you have a great attitude and you're adjusting. Uh, you're you know going to make the adjustment and embracing the adjustment. But what about the players with some of these safety rules? It, it, to me, it's going to be tough. I mean, I know that they, they're going to have to really make that committed effort, but like no spitting, it, you know, it's just one of those things that you don't even think about. You're you're not consciously thinking about it. Or when you have a celebration, you're ready to high five somebody and you, you just can't do it. So how right. long do you think it'll take for the players to get adjusted to all that? Well, one thing I think, and, you know, we talked to Brandon Crawford about this. That's what I asked him. I said, what do you think are going to be the toughest habits to break? Uh, you know, you think about, you know, when they strike a guy out, they throw the ball around the horn and, you know, <laughs> these things that they can't do anymore. And it came down to spitting and licking your hands, which he was so funny. He's like, for as gross as those are, you know, they're just a, a real large part of our game. You lick your hands often to get a grip on the ball. You spit because you're, you know, Jeff Samarja talked about the buildup you get in your mouth and water doesn't fix that. He has to get it out. So, uh, that's going to be an interesting adjustment, but they're all very aware. I mean, this is no secret that you can't do this anymore. So I think they kind of will be able to almost police each other and help each other with, you know, where they need to go to be able to do that and um, do their best. I think you're going to see some, you know, forgetfulness at times. And then I'm curious what happens, you know, so new ball, what, you know, what do you do if you do do that? Um, but regarding the high fives, I, I asked Fred and I said, you know, you guys can't, touch each other anymore in <laughs> celebration. I mean, think about walk-offs and, right. and how much they actually physically touch each other in a game. And uh, we were joking that between Pablo Sandoval and Hunter Pence, he feels very confident that they're going to come up with some kind of virtual, non-touching celebration dance or movement. And uh, so, I again, it's, a, it's an area where you're going to see something be created, right? So <laughs> what, is, what is the new way to celebrate? And they'll figure it out, and it'll, it'll take off and trend. And so I think they kind of relish some of these challenges in a way, too. You know, it... it when, when you're challenged with something, you, you kind of wake up, you, you get refreshed. And these guys, these veterans, Crawford, Posey, and Belt, they've been around a long time without a lot of change, right? And so this year going in, it was going to be different because you have a new manager and a new coaching staff. And that was, that was challenging. But this is like the ultimate challenge. And it's kind of like starting again, starting anew. And I, I think you can try to turn that into a positive that what can I learn from all of this and, uh, and how, you know, how's it going to make me a better player and a, and a better human being in society when we all really need to be watching out for each other. We'll continue the conversation with Amy Gutierrez from NBC sports Bay area in just a moment. We all know that solar systems make financial sense and environmental sense. And when it comes to choosing the best installation crew in the business, Sun First Solar should be your first choice. Sun First Solar has provided solar excellence since 1984. They are Sun Power Elite Commercial and Elite Residential Installers with a reputation for technical excellence, innovative design, fair pricing, excellent customer service, and end-to-end -end quality and competence. Sunfirst Solar is a family business devoted to treating their employees, customers, the community, and the environment with respect 
and they are devoted to renewable energy and sustainability throughout the Bay Area. There is no room for a project that is too complicated. SunFirst has successfully installed solar on Spanish tile roofs, metal roofs, and very steep roofs. They also have extensive experience in solar ground mounts and solar pool heating. Competitive pricing, expert consultation, and the best warranty. Go local and get your Sun Power solar system from Sun First Solar today. Call Sun First Solar at 415 458 5870. That's 415 458 5870. I'm glad you mentioned Sandoval and Pence. I want to ask about both of them. And uh, with Sandoval coming back from Tommy John surgery uh you know you wondered about how he was doing and I, I know he did get some heat on social media there was a photo that came out and he didn't look like he was yeah. in the best shape so he's <laughs> gonna have to have some better fitness you would think <laughs> here in the next few weeks right uh but but he adds so much to this team amy and, and he still could swing the bat so uh what are your thoughts about you know sandoval being a part of the team and hunter pence coming back because that was another one that you said yeah. hey that that guy's gonna be a big cu- clubhouse presence but also he can still hit left-handers he can and I think you know this universal DH is going to benefit both of them I mm-hmm. I did feel bad for the picture that was put up of Pablo it was not you know it's just listen I've had I feel it because I've had so many pictures put up of me that were not flattering right <laughs> and because you're not you know you're not posing and people right. just take the photo and throw it up so I don't know I mean if Pablo, to me, has proven anything. He can play at any weight he's at. And so my personal perspective on that is just leave him alone. He's (laughs) proven what he needs to prove, and he's one of the best athletes on that team, and he will do what he needs to do to be able to perform. At the end of the day, Pablo's extremely competitive, and he wants to be a giant, and he wants to play baseball, and he will make that happen, whatever he needs to do health-wise. And, you know, I listen, and I want to talk about the COVID-15 is, you know, the weight gain. And I'm right there. Like, it's been tough when you're home and you 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 can't do stuff. So I I feel for anybody coming in who's got a couple of LBs, um, extra LBs, because I've got them too. So I got to start getting into fight and shape myself. But regarding Hunter and Pablo having a role, I just think the universal DH benefits them hugely, I think, with the need for veteran leadership right now that benefits them hugely. The 60 player pool is huge for them. So everything plays to their favor. The fact that, you know, Pablo had time to heal to be able to actually play. It's all, it all works in their favor. They're fan favorites. And I think that they will definitely have a role on this year's team. Let's hear what Bob Nightingale from USA Today had to say when he was on Buster Olney's Baseball Tonight ESPN podcast, and they were talking about the short season, the sprint, and a surprise team that may emerge. A team like the San Francisco Giants, when a Hersey two-game season had no chance, now with all the veterans and everything else, uh, those guys know how to play, and, and uh, you know, you're not going to get worn out by the uh, long summer. They have a legitimate shot. I really believe that. One of the reasons why he said that is, you know, veteran team, it's a sprint. It's it's totally different. So what do you think about that as far as the Giants being a team that maybe could, you know, make an impact here? Because coming into the season, no way. I mean, 162 games, it was going to be Dodgers winning by a lot and the Giants probably falling way behind. But in this sprint with a veteran team, do you give the Giants a, a better shot? 
Well, I always give the Giants a better shot. I'm the worst person to ask that because I'm like, they can do it. They can do it. I'm always going into every season. I feel that way. I put up a post on my Instagram that, you know, with this 60-game season now, their chances of getting to the playoffs went from like 0.1% to 9%. And I was like, it's huge. Like, that's a huge jump, right? Well, 9% isn't super positive. And I saw something else that predicted that they'd win 24 games in a 60-game season. So you can play the numbers to your, you know, to your bias. You can make it work any way you want. But I do think if the Giants head into this with the mentality that they're in first place with 60 games to go, that they have a great shot at contending. I just, I think Kapler's record in like his first 60 games as a manager has been good. I think the Giants, they did well last year. They were in contention until like July, late July. So, you know, anything is possible. And I really think that health, not not just injury health, but COVID health is going to play a huge role. And the Giants seem to be attacking this. And I'm not surprised with just the reputation of Kapler being so regimented and prepared he's such a prepared individual that they are you know they're attacking this this covid protocol like you know i i I would just say maybe the best in the league as it seems they're just they're all over it and they were preparing for it for a long time so it doesn't it that doesn't surprise me the san francisco giants are always been a proactive organization i think they're like all right let's go let's start getting things in place to to make this happen i'm not you know and i don't mean to not compare it to other teams it's just what I'm watching with the Giants seems really impressive what they're doing so I think that's going to be a factor a weird factor of how the pandemic affects teams and you know you don't have Freddie Freeman you know you took a hit to your team you don't have David Price you took a hit to your team and so so far no Giants have opted out and so I think that's going to play a role in how well they do. And every game's worth so much. I mean, you think about a four-game winning streak is like a ten-game winning streak, or vice versa for a totally. losing streak. Yeah, and and how you handle all of this as a manager is going to be interesting because in any job, Amy, when you're replacing a legend, it's difficult. Replacing Bruce Bochy for Gabe Kapler, how equipped uh, do you think he is? I mean, and has maybe he changed your mind a little bit along the way, even without games being played, uh, because you know you've gotten to know him a little bit as you get towards a baseball season. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a chance to get to know Gabe. I've had several encounters and interviews with him and he's very impressive. He's a very impressive individual. He's an extremely smart individual, well-read, well-rounded, you know, he's taken this time during the pandemic to really broaden his image for social issues for, you know, what's happening with Black Lives Matter and all of these things that are happening in our country that have nothing to do with baseball and he has something to say about it. And, and I, I like that. I like that he's willing to let people get to know who he is outside of baseball. I think that's a, a really, really important thing to do when you're a new manager. But I also think because he's going to now manage this season during a pandemic, it, for some weird reason, though, it alleviates him being compared to Bruce Bochy. Like, but, you know, both yeah. didn't manage during the pandemic. And so now there is no comparison. And I, I think that alleviates that. Can he fill his shoes? Is he like Boat? He's not. They're two completely different individuals. They approach things differently. 
And again, in a time when we need to evolve and need some change, I think this may be the best thing that could happen is that you do have someone new in there. You have someone who's, you know, fresh to San Francisco and really willing to make and do anything to have this work out well. And not that Boach wouldn't have done that, but I could see Boach saying, nah, I'm not, I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's done enough that managing through a pandemic, I, I don't know if that was really quite on his bucket list, right? So <laughs> I just think Kapler is, is a really interesting uh, option at this point. And I think this pandemic gives him a break from that constant comparison to Boach and will allow him to find his own way. No Madison Bumgarner. That's going to be strange this year, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, yeah, ever since is. you've covered the Giants, and you know there, there have been all these great moments, winning three World Series, and Madison Bumgarner, you know, has been there for all of that. Now he's a Diamondback. That's strange. It is strange, you know. But I was there before Madison, and uh, now I'm there after Madison, and I have that storyline with several players who had major impacts. Um, during, you know, the great run that the Giants were on. So I have had time to adjust to beloved players moving on. And I'm well aware that at the end of the day, it's a business. And I think Madison will always love the Giants in San Francisco. And I think the fans will always love him back. But it was time. It was time for him to move on. He was um, he needed a change. You know, Boach was going to leave. They were super tight. And I think he he did what he felt he needed to do for his family and, and where he wanted to go in his career, and I completely respect that. And um, I've watched it happen enough now that I don't, you know, get hurt or, you know, upset. Um, I'm understanding of the fan base feeling that way, but I, I also understand they have to make decisions for their lives and the Giants have to make decisions for their team. And, uh, you know, I think it was a – I think – it will be considered an amicable split in time. Like once we kind of, once the Giants face the Diamondbacks and kind of get that over with, because I don't think there's any ill will between the players and Madison at all. I think everybody understood. And um, that's, that's, that's what baseball is. At the end of the day, it's a business. So it's my job to really get to know the guys but to get to know them and not get too attached because you don't, you know, because you know they might leave. And that's exactly what Madison did. You know, there are moments that stick with you, and I'm curious to hear some of your favorites. I saw on Twitter that you posted about Jonathan Sanchez and his dad embracing mm. after the no-hitter, mm-hmm. and that's definitely up there. I mean, that, that, that was the first no-hitter I ever saw. I, I was so happy to be in attendance. Uh, the emotions of baseball, uh, I would imagine that there are a few that just kind of stay with you that are up there on your list. Can you share those with us? Oh, yeah. I mean, we I actually, I guess two seasons ago was my 10th season covering. And, uh, well, I guess three seasons ago now. But I did an article on my top 10 moments covering the Giants in 10 years. And Jonathan Sanchez's interview after the no-hitter is probably my favorite interview of all that I've done, whether it was Matt Cain's perfect game or, you know, all the ones in the World Series and the playoffs. I just the storyline connected to Jonathan Sanchez and where he was when he got that start and how he got it. And he got it because Randy Johnson was hurt. He'd been moved to the bullpen. He was very much on, you know, the chopping block or the trading block. And he needed a good start. And he didn't just get a good start. He had 
a near a near perfect start. I, when I posted it, somebody wrote like Uribe messed that up, and I was like, stop. <laughs> don't don't rip Uribe. He was great too. Like everybody has their moments, and you can only imagine how badly Uribe felt that night. But um, the whole storyline that that developed in that game was amazing, and it was one of these moments where I was really early in my career. It was 2009. I'd only covered the Giants since 2008, but I had covered hard news all the way prior to my sports um, uh, reporting career. And you always looked for a great story to develop, and here it was. So, you know, he's having this fantastic night, and then you bring in the dad who hadn't ever seen his son pitch at the professional level, and it just had to happen, and you knew it was going to happen. I get chills when I talk about it. So that, hands down, is probably my favorite interview of my career, just given the circumstances and how special it was. And, of course, he went on to be such a huge part in 2010. Um, but I think my number one of the, of the 10 that I covered, because I've got like interviewing Cookie Monster in there, which is just <laughs> this random, like, and the whole, the, the, the stuff that people don't know is how that gets set up, right? You just see it uh, conveyed on, on your TV screen at home. But one of my favorite parts of that is I've got this puppet in a hand at my face, and that's who I'm supposed to talk to, but the man controlling the puppet is on his knees down below me, and you just really want to look down and talk to him, like you have this natural reaction to look down. And my audio guy, who I love, so I won't name it, it's one of our funniest stories, he put a little lav mic on the puppet. And my camera <laughs> says, hey, you want to you wanna rethink that? Let's think about this. <laughs> the audio is not coming from the puppet. The audio is coming from the puppet on his knees down here. And it was just like you kind of thought the puppet was real. You had to pretend the puppet was real. So the, how that whole thing went down, and then we ended up winning an Emmy for that broadcast. And uh, those moments where you look and you're like, what am I going to ask Cookie Monster from Sesame <laughs> Street? And it ended up being one of the funnest interviews I've ever had. And the whole setup leading up to the your puppet, you know, we were all kind of trying to figure it out. So I loved that moment. Um, obviously, my interviews with Matt Kane through the perfect game and his final game are a couple of my favorites. And then my number one is just working with Kirk and Guys. I mean, is overall the best part of my job. I love them like family. They've always been wonderful to me. My career, you know, over 13 years wasn't wasn't super easy for the first three or four with the being accepted by the fan base and fellow media that I worked with and they were always there for me and supported me and um, they make me laugh every single day at work and and I love that that's my number one moment is working with them yeah I mean that that's hard at the beginning like you said because you, you're trying to get comfortable in your job and you're a woman in sports and you uh, yep. I would think really needed to get a boost from your partners like that and I guess it's something you'll never forget I really won't ever forget it because the the Giants fan base is very loyal, but they also don't love change, you know. And I walk in, and Krug and Kipe have near twenty years together, and you know, two thousand eight. They're kind of not them, but the fan base. It was very much like, who is this? I I don't like that they keep going to her. <laughs> and then <laughs> I did not have a lot of help from fellow media, which was tough. I wasn't expecting that, and it was you know I was a target. For, for several years and 
you know, one of the stories I tell about Dwayne and Mike is that first year in 2008, I was like, this job is for the birds. Like, I want to go back. We've seen stories. I don't know, you know, why I'm doing this because every night was difficult, right? And then every night on the radio, it was, you know, did you see what she did tonight? And people kind of didn't realize that I had this news production background, but I didn't have a lot of on-air experience. And so I was trying to figure out how to talk to a camera amongst 40,000 people. (laughs) And um, it was, you know, there's this very small learning curve there for a female in sports, but they, I never would complain to anybody that I worked with. A few, a few of my cameramen I would talk to and just kind of vent and say, I don't, I don't know why I'm not grasping this. I'm really struggling. And I think that would get in my head. Like each game, it was like a player, you know, being in a rut at the plate, just can't, can't break out of it. I can't, I can't get a good hit. Like I can't, I can't get a good hit on TV. Right. I'm just in my own head. And so Dwayne and Mike called me up to the booth and they took me to Willie, um, Willie McCovey's booth next door because nobody was in it. And they said, we want to talk to you. I was like, oh, no, you know, what did I do? And uh, because they can be very intimidating. You know, if you don't know them, they're, they're a strong presence. And I remember in my first season, and I'm really just trying to not make eye contact with anyone, just do my job, stay under the radar. And they said, listen, here's the deal. We know what's going on. We know what's being said. And we don't care because we want you here. We have daughters, and we have sisters, and we have moms, and you are all of that to us, and we've got your back. And I started to tear up, and Mike Kuko goes, do not cry. Do not cry. And I was like, okay. <laughs> just trying to hold it together because it was just this moment of acceptance from the two people that it really mattered that I was accepted by, right? That at the end of the day – if they wanted me there, then that's all I needed to know. And from that point on, my confidence really started to grow. And, and I'll never forget later on in the broadcast that night, Dwayne says, we're going to go down to Amy G and we are happy about it. And it was just this statement to, you know, the people who were on me, like they want me here. So deal with it. And it, it really, really helped. And it just gave me that kind of confidence boost I needed. And I have never in 13 seasons felt like I didn't walk away from a game that I didn't learn something or that I needed to improve on something. You know, I watch all my broadcasts back. It's something that I, I teach in my snow mistake class now, you know, take me back to 2008. I never would have thought I was going to be teaching a class on broadcasting because I was struggling so much with it, but I've learned a lot. And, uh, and the one thing I know for sure is you always have more to learn. I give you, yeah, I give you a lot of credit because it's hard enough to do the job, but to have that obstacle there of, uh, you know, worrying about what other people are saying and, uh, you know, you really do need to have support in those situations. And every once in a while, you know, a great story comes around that you don't even plan for. Like last season with Mike Yastrzemski playing a game at Fenway Park and his grandfather Carl is there and you are there. That had to be a great moment last year. Uh, And just, again, the emotions of baseball and a guy in Mike who had taken a long time to get to the major leagues. I mean, he's 29 years old now, so uh, there, there had to be a lot going on there for him, for a guy who grew up in that area. Well, those are my favorite stories to cover because 
of the struggle involved, it gave Mike as a human being so much perspective. You know, he he wore this name on his back with all of these expectations his entire life. And then it was struggle, 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 and he could not crack in. And yet, so for him, I, I interviewed him in the Green Monster at Fenway, and he said, I got to this point where I was like, if I could just have one game, one game at the major league level, I would be happy. And so then to watch him have an entire season – and, you know, when I interviewed him, he was on 19 home runs. And then that night he hit 20 with his grandpa there. You know, you just, you look at that from the human perspective and the human spirit. And that's what it's all about. Like to work the grind and to get your, um, you know, your comeuppance when it's supposed to happen. And, and for some, it happens too early. For some, it never does. But for those that work so hard towards it and they finally get a taste of success and they can appreciate it because of the work that they put into it, those are my favorite storylines. And that's why I love the Jonathan Sanchez story so much because he performed in the absolute moment he had to. And then that reminds you why you're there and why you're so good. And you need that every once in a while. You just need those moments and they're the best to witness and be a part of. And I've always felt honored to, to be able to tell those stories or talk to those people. And I had Mike on my, I do a wine Wednesday Instagram show. And I told Mike, I said, you were my favorite story of 2019, even through Boach retiring. Cause I was not happy with, <laughs> with Boach retiring. I was like, Oh man, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I love Boach. But Mike was just this great story amongst, you know, some difficult news with Bochi retiring and kind of feeling like, uh, you know, the the regime had come to a, a bit of an end and uh, they were going to do the unsaid rebuild. You know, you knew it was coming. So he's a, he's a true bright spot and he's a really nice human being, just a great guy. And that makes it that much better. Oh, and yeah. a really nice person, too. Yeah, I like him a lot. Uh, to finish up, tell me more about Wine Wednesdays, uh, what you plan on doing with that. Sure. Well, it's been really fun. It just uh, a colleague of mine right at the beginning of the uh, quarantine uh, time period said, you know, what do you think about doing an Instagram, a live Instagram show? And I hadn't done Instagram live, you know, again, like what we're learning during this time. And she said, you know, Wine Wednesday, you and Richie, Aurelia. And I was like, oh, that'd be fun. Okay. So I talked to Richie and he's a good friend of mine. I covered him in 2008 and nine, And then he's part of our broadcast now. And, uh, and he has his own wine. And so, you know, it was this chance to get together every week, chat, and talk baseball and, and pitch his wine. Well, it's just kind of evolved into something that fans seem to really take to and like. And um, I don't know how the show's going to go once the season starts. I'm not sure I can commit to every Wednesday, but we, I think we're going to still try and do it once a week and just either – name it something else or, you know, figure out when we can do our, our wine show. But it's an hour, and I have um, a different guest on for the first half hour each week, and then Richie comes on the back half hour, and we discuss, you know, whatever I spoke to the guest about and what's going on currently. And it's fun because Richie's like a brother to me, so it's just a fun catch-up every week. And then we've had Boach on. We've had Brian Saby, and that was really fun. He had his two boys were in the background the entire time, looking at themselves, and 
Uh, Pablo Hunter Pence came on this week. It's going to be Dave Forgetti. He's going to come on at 5 o'clock on my Instagram live. So love to have you join and comment. And we try and take, you know, fan questions uh, prior to the show. So I've got some to to get in there and then we, you know, see what they're saying during. Um, Sergio Romo came on, Javi Lopez. So Rob Nen and um, Rob Nen actually uh, nominated Dave Rigetti to come on. So it's fun because I try and have the guys nominate somebody else. Rennell came on and we really, I think we kind of want to expand it, you know, to some other athletes or, you know, people outside of the Giants organization that just pique people's interest. So if anybody has suggestions who they, who they would like to have come on, throw them out there and I'll do my best. Everybody's asking for Tim Lynn to come. I cannot promise that will ever happen, but I'm trying. <laughs> oh, boy, that would be great. Yeah, we want to hear from Timmy. He's, he definitely is kind of in the background right now, but, uh, you know, he, he came for that uh, Bruce Bochy celebration. Anytime he shows up, people are going to go wild. Well, it's, I know. <laughs> it's Wine Wednesdays, Amy G on Instagram. I don't know how you can do any better than wine and sports and Amy G. I know. <laughs> It was a great idea. I'm really glad we're doing it. <laughs> Amy, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Can't wait to see you doing some games. Uh, you know, can't wait till we have like, you know, real uh, fans in the stands and everything next year. But at least we can have this now. And uh, thank you so much for, uh, you know, being able to put it all together. Thanks for having me, Joe. You take good care. That's Amy Gutierrez from NBC Sports Bay Area. Join us again next week for another edition of Inside China Basin on the Believe Podcast Network. For now, I'm Joe Castellano from thesportsvirus.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.